Welcome back to the Shoot Sports Podcast. My name's Andrew, here with my co-host Garrett, and today we have our game recap, our rookie recap, and then our Flaming Five Picks of the Week for you guys after the second week of the NFL season. You sound like you're playing hurt today. Yeah, I'm a little sick. I got a little, little bit of a dry cough going on. No Rona? No nothing, Rona. Nothing I should we're, be concerned we're, with? We're vaccinated over vaccinated. here, so, so we're right. good, yeah. Just a little bit of a, a dry cough. It's flu season in upstate New York, so... Flu season? It's like September 20th. It's not flu season. The season's changing. Andrew gets sick in September every single all year. Right, We're all right. right. Hey, week two. In the books. Almost. What a week. It's Ex- over. Uh, the Packers are winning tonight. It's, it's over. You can just chalk it up. Season, the week's over. We're good. So that's it's a guarantee the Packers are back to normal I'm tonight? Chalk it. Yeah, I'm chalking You're going to chalk up. it up? Okay. All right, yeah. sure. I mean, we both have the <laughs> Packers, so it'd be great if we could both get that right. But, I, I mean, yesterday was... The one o'clock games were rough yesterday. There was yeah, the four thirty games was, were just where it was at. Yeah, there there was not a lot of good one o'clock games. I wasn't, you know, we we watch Red Zone obviously, and I, I was like, man, can we get off this Rams Colts game? Like, holy shit! I felt like we were only on that game the entire time. You could have told me before the game so that like, oh, don't watch the one o'clock games because they're just they're not going to be interesting. It's it's kind of a waste of your time and. I honestly wouldn't have believed you, but sitting through all of those, I kind of wish I got those three hours back because it was just fantasy-wise and just football-wise, they just weren't interesting. I I really wish that I just watched Patriots-Jets just so I could watch my own team because, again, if I have to watch Rams-Colts again this year, I'm going to blow my brains out. That game was miserable. And, like, your shitty team, like, did you guys even have the fucking ball in the second half? No, we lost to the team that's 2-0 and leading I, I don't the wanna, AFC No, no, right no I don't want to so hear that. I don't want to hear anything no, I don't want to hear that. Did mouth. you guys have the ball in the second half? Did your Steelers have the ball in the second half? Because yeah. I can't remember them having a possession. Yeah. I, I don't remember. We never saw it. Well, the and only, Red Zone the shows you. The only possession we saw was Deontay Johnson hurt on a meaningless play with, <laughs> with five seconds left in the game. <laughs> oh, my God. Which, luckily, that turned into absolutely nothing. Well, not absolutely nothing, but we he, he missed out on a long-term Long-term injury, which is good. Same thing with Tua with his broken, what was suspected to be broken ribs, turned into bruised ribs, and he might be week to week. I think the only major injury we saw was Jarvis Landry. Yeah, and he's week he's to week. week, to week so. But Kevin Stefanski has, has come out and said that it is unsure as of right now if he will be placed on the IR. So I think that team is more looking forward to OBJ coming back weekly than, than ever before, and they really need the... The younger guys, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and both tight ends just, just really step up and do something for him. It's, the, the, Donovan, it's the Donovan Peoples-Jones show now. Let's yeah. go, baby. And Austin Hooper and David Njoku, those guys just need to step up. Yeah, the and number I, two tight end. And they have a, a third running back that we saw on, on yesterday's games, other than Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. So that team just needs needs the receivers to <laughs> How stay How frustrating is that for fantasy owners of Nick Chubb? Oh, we'll talk like, about that tomorrow. But right. yeah, it, it was... It, <laughs> <laughs> a little recap, a little, a little, little sneak peek into tomorrow's episode. Yeah, it's gonna be a, a, a hot and heavy episode for the both of us tomorrow because I played against Derrick Henry and a lot of people that that weren't were no names on a lot of teams scored yesterday. So we will be getting probably really irritated tomorrow. All right, let's jump right into it. Chiefs Ravens Sunday night game. I thought this was the game of the day, even though I was pretty disgusted watching this game. But Chiefs end up losing to the Ravens in a last second shocker. Uh, 36-35, I believe, was the final score. Yep. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, what a just devastating fumble. And, and and a great play by the rookie there, Owe. That was really impressive coming off the edge like that and to make a play on the ball. But if you're Andy Reid, like, you're the most, it, you're the most arrogant fucking play caller in the NFL, kid show. kid show. But 
why are you not just throwing that little check down to Travis Kelsey? I, I don't understand that. The guy doesn't fumble. He might even break one and just end the game. Just why is that? Why wasn't that your play call? The Ravens didn't cover it all night. Anytime they wanted that play, he was wide open. I didn't understand it. Yeah, and not to take any credit away from the young guy, Jason Owe, but that punch out wasn't anything spectacular. Like, there wasn't a lot of force in that punch, at least from what it looked like. I mean, I'm not a, an NFL running back. I don't know. Or a linebacker, for that matter. I don't know how much force comes out of those punches. but I mean, that's still an impressive play. Those gloves that those guys wear are like wearing glue on your hands. Yeah, it's- but from what it looked like for me, it was just Clyde Edwards-Alaire had no grip on the ball and, and had, had no... He's like, I don't even need to, need to protect this ball at all. I'm just going to let, let it go the second you punch it. And, I mean, can we not overhype the Ravens after that win? The Chiefs just kind of let the Ravens have that game. They play so sloppy. Yeah. That pick that Mahomes threw trying to just throw it up, that looked like Carson Wentz. Like, did Carson Wentz play for the Chiefs in that position? Because that's something that Wentz would do. Why why does he feel the need to do that? Mahomes and Lamar just kind of said, all right, well, at halftime, we're just going to switch how we're we're playing quarterback. Lamar's out there making jumping throws for touchdowns, and Mahomes is out there throwing interceptions. So it really didn't matter matter for either one of them Mahomes just didn't really want to be there and neither did the Chiefs defense apparently after the first quarter when Lamar threw two interceptions Tyron Matthew was just almost had a third one I will I will give oh, him he almost had the he third almost one. had the yeah. third one for the, the almost touchdown pass of Lamar Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast was like oh Al, we yeah. got it we almost had a third one yeah he, but he was, was really almost a touchdown it. That was a very risky throw it was almost <laughs> a touchdown and almost an interception at the same time I mean you would have thought if any other quarterback played for the Ravens last night, they might have had like 500 yards passing. Every every fifth play, someone was running wide open in the Chiefs' second. Well, yeah, Lamar came out the gates and, and missed. He missed Hollywood Marquise Brown, Brown on by, a touchdown. Yeah, by like seven yards. Just completely overthrew him. Like, if Tom Brady throws that ball, that's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. Like, if Mahomes throws that ball, it's a touchdown. Well, give me 24 quarterbacks I, in the league and they're making that throw. You know, like, and then and then the fourth down call at the end of the game. You know, oh, yeah, you see, it pans to Harbaugh. Lamar, you want to go for it? Lamar, you want to go for it? Well, What's he going to say there? Yeah. No? Uh, no, coach, I don't think we should. Let's give it back to Mahomes. You're definitely going for that, especially, and I don't know if it's Chris Collins where it said it perfectly, the Ravens were able to get one yard at will anytime they wanted in that game. They're obviously going to go for it. And I think I saw a stat. They had, like, three plays go for a loss last night. Yeah, out of I think they ran sixty something plays, and only one of them was a Lamar Jackson yeah, intended like, run. And I don't even know if duh. it was intended. It was a bad. It was a high snap, so it might have just been improvised into a run play for Lamar. But the Chiefs' defense, uh, we gave them so much credit last week against the Browns and saying, "Oh, they 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 were the number two passing defense last year." Uh, we we talked about it in the fantasy episode, but that like it's that that correlates to the actual NFL. They were one of the best passing defenses in, in the league last year. Well, here's here's why this makes the Browns' loss to the Chiefs look way worse because the Browns are supposed to be this running football team, and they're supposed to have a really good offensive line. How the hell did they lose that game if they were up by up like that? Like, you run the ball. The Chiefs couldn't stop anything on the ground. If the Raven, all the Ravens had to do was run the ball six times, and they were going to score. Yeah. And, they were scoring on running play. Like normally a six play drive, if I told you that you scored on a six play drive, what do you think the throw what do you think the throw to run percentage is? Five to one? You know, they were they were going like six plays, seventy yards yeah. with like five running plays. Uh, for most teams in the league, if you say, Oh, six play drive, I'm like, all right, well, that quarterback threw probably three twenty yard passes. 
and then maybe one five-yard run and then some dink and dunk passes after that? Sure. But no, you have Lamar just running free will all over the place against the Chiefs defense. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to hype up the Ravens. I think people are... They're giving the Ravens their due today. It was a good win. Anytime you can beat the Chiefs, we're always shocked when the Chiefs lose because they're ridiculous. They, you were hard-headed that that game wasn't even going to be good. I didn't good. think it was going to be good because every time the Chiefs play the Ravens, it's a blowout. But you know what? The Chiefs defense decided not to show up, and Mahomes made some really stupid decisions last night. He had two bad interceptions. Those were bad picks. Can we, can we talk about something outside of the realm of the NFL a little bit? It's in the NFL, but it's not at the same time. So do you know... Patrick Mahomes' wife and his little brother that are always at the games. Oh, and you're, you're talking about the water bottle thing? Yeah, so they've had two controversies now. Last year on the head-to-head hit in the Browns playoff game, they celebrated it and made it like blew it out of proportion, made themselves look like absolute assholes on that on that terrible play that had happened. And then yesterday, the, the Ravens came back to win the game, and Patrick Mahomes' this little brother is dumping water on Ravens fans from the, from the box that Patrick buys for his family every single week. I just think that's that's incredibly funny that Chiefs what a fans, dickhead. Chiefs fans, and that's not even just because he's Mahomes' little brother. That, those are Chiefs fans for the most part. They're they're just kind of assholes. Like they're hot headed because they've they've made it to back to back Super Bowls, and it's just I think it's just absolutely hilarious. So that's all I have for the game. I just think it was a terrible well, showing for both teams for the most what's part. What's your what's your overall takeaway for both teams of this game? Because personally, for me. I still feel the same about the Ravens. I think the Ravens are a pretty average football team. I think as long as you don't give up 300 rushing yards to them and make Lamar throw the football like you're in good shape. And to me, the Chiefs, their defense is terrible. And you're still going to have to score 37 to beat them. To me, yesterday, it looked like Patrick Mahomes didn't really want control over the game. Because I think... I don't know if it was Andy Reid that called the run play to, on the fumble. Of that's Tyler that's Andy Reid's call. Mahomes, Mahomes does not call plays. Like that's Andy Reid. So no, a- Andy Reid calls the plays. Mahomes is might, that is that Andy Reid arrogance? Or no, is that's that Andy Reid is like Andy Reid is like the greatest offensive play caller in history. Like that's you know he's a Hall of Fame coach. Okay. So, but at the same time, like they're so fucking arrogant all the time. And I, I I've used that phrase already. But anytime I watch the Chiefs, they're arrogant about their play calling. And it's come back to bite them several times. It bit them in the Super Bowl last year. They were re- they chose not to run the football when they could have just run the football against the, the uh, Buccaneers and they could have had a chance to win the game. Last night, they should have just taken the easy plays. Just throw it to Travis Kelsey underneath. Stop yeah. trying to hit the home run ball. They showed a compilation of, of Tyreek Hill runs and... How he's getting doubled, maybe and sometimes even tripled on some of the routes that he's running. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. And you then, have to do that. And then obviously the Ravens made it work because like I mean I'm not obviously because Travis Kelsey, by the way, had one one spectacular run uh, after catch from for a touchdown, actually. But then Mahomes doesn't target him on, on the what would have been game winning drive and you run the ball instead, which okay, that was Andy Reid calling the play, but still, why are you not just locating, okay, I can see that Tyree Kill's getting Getting double. Let me call an audible at the line of scrimmage and just say, "All right." It's a simple check and release. Yeah. It's a simple check and release. Because there were there was what three yards? It was, it was they, third it was and three? Th- second and three. Yeah, second and three. If you don't get it, you get it. really. You, Pat, Patrick Mahomes can't get three yards. Or how about this? Run him out on a bootleg. We see them do that all the time. I don't understand why you wouldn't just put the ball in Mahomes' hands there. Yeah, I. You know, like there are times where. Like Tom Brady, when he plays quarterback, yeah, he hands the ball off in that situation. But 
Mahomes can make plays with his legs. He can do that. So why not put that situation on him and say, just go get the damn first down? Yeah. I don't understand how... And I don't want to talk about this a lot longer, but... No, we can, we can move on. But We're on good. second and three, I don't understand how you have three absolute superstars on your team in Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill on your offense. And that's not even counting defensive superstars because Tyron, Tyron Matthews is very good. But and, and second and three on a game-winning drive or a game-clinching drive, they're letting the ball go outside of those three guys' hands. And you're giving it to the second-year running back who hasn't proven that he's an all-star on that team. I will defend him. He has not lost a fumble in the league until last night. Okay. That was his first loss fumble. I will defend him on that. That doesn't it was, change it was my a point. Great, it was a great play by the defensive player. He was still getting locked up. That, that, that uh, play no, was still that. going to I understand that, but like, that's okay if it does because you run, you run the clock. You're still in field goal range. Like Your plan is to just kick the field goal there. I'm okay if he gets locked up, but... I just don't want the ball in anybody else's hands. Yeah. If I'm Kansas City, like I'm paying all those, all three of those guys ridiculous money. I want them touching the ball. Patrick Mahomes is a half a billion dollar quarterback in the NFL, and you're putting in the second year running back's hands, who is unproven to be a clutch player in the NFL yet. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Chargers Cowboys because I thought this was the most important game of the day. I felt like this was a must win for the Cowboys, and they got it done. They got a little bit lucky. I thought the Chargers played pretty sloppy. But I got to say, I'm impressed with both teams' defenses. Because Justin Herbert. He's the man. He's, he's the yeah. man. Well, it, was, it was to start the game. He had 11 pass attempts. And he was 10 for 11 with those pass attempts, but not a single one hit the ground no, no, no. because he one was, of them wasn't an interception. He was 15 for 17. That, that's what it, it was. That's, it was, that 15 was 15 for 16 because he had only dropped one, only one pass. Right. No, none of the passes had hit the ground, and then the 17th pass had hit the ground. Yeah. Like, I, he had a sloppy game to start. There were a few times when there were balls that he threw that were like, right, why are you throwing that ball when Austin Eckler is wide open six yards down the field? But Justin Herbert is the man. I, I that 60-yard bomb to Keenan Allen, like, that's just – Yeah. That's football – Oh my God! I'm gonna issue a little bit of an apology because I was one of the, I was one of very few people that came into the season like all right I think we're gonna see a little bit of a a sophomore slump from Justin Herbert with a new offensive line probably a new game scheme. I was wrong. I mean they lost this game, but Justin they had Herbert, two touchdowns called back on penalties. Yeah, Justin Herbert was 31 for 41, 338 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, and he probably should have had three touchdowns, and they probably should have won that game. I. I don't know what more to say about the Chargers offense. Austin Eckler didn't really do much. He was 9 for 54. And Keenan I mean Keenan Allen was Keenan Allen, 4 for 108. Mike, and, Mike, and Mike, Williams Williams stepped, Mike Williams stepped up and went 7 for 91 with a touchdown. Yeah. So no, their their offense just needs to like it's not clicking yet. It's still a little hit and miss. You want to know what kind of confuses me a little bit? They won the first week against the football team. Austin Eckler didn't see a single receiving down, receiving target at all. And then they come out this game against the Cowboys, and Austin Eckler gets nine receptions for 61 yards. So did they kind of say, all right, well, we want to get Austin Eckler more involved in the receiving game no, I just, and switch up the game scheme, or did they just kind of, that's how the game went? I think that's just how the game went in general. But like I said, they had two touchdowns called back on stupid penalties. And that roughing the or the, the intentional grounding call that they called on Herbert as he was going backwards, that was such a bullshit call. He's going backwards, and he throws the football. 
Yeah, and there's also that sack that probably shouldn't have been called a sack either. No, that's the same play. Oh, or no, it? maybe they called it a sack. Yeah, they called it a yeah, sack, not an intentional grounder. Like, that was awful. He got rid of the ball. He hadn't been sacked yet. He was still moving on his own. Yeah. So that's, that basically killed the touchdown. And then they had the other two taken away because of an ineligible man downfield and then a holding call. So they had two tu- two touchdowns taken away on penalties and potentially three. Like, you know, they shot themselves in the foot. Their, their offense is just a little bit, you know, it's not clicking... 100% right now. It's like 70% of what it should be. So I'm thinking like we need two more weeks and that offense should be right where it was at the end of last season really clicking. I think Keenan Allen is really good and Mike Williams, finally. Like it's finally happening for that guy. I, yeah, I really was, like what he's doing. There was one pass I think late in the game that, that uh, Justin Herbert threw pretty accurately to Keenan Allen and Keenan Allen either just dropped it or ran the route wrong. And that was the only time that I criticized Keenan Allen because he's it's like, come on, you've been in the league for how long and you're, just, you're messing up that little little tiny detail in your game that you really shouldn't be? Can I tell you there's a, there's a trade they need to make? Okay, what is it? I hate Jared Cook. I think Jared Cook is awful. Yeah, you were getting a little upset yesterday. I, I can't stand watching him play. Like, everything he does is such a mistake. He just makes mistakes all over the field. He was part of it yesterday. He had some really bad plays. Tampa Bay has three tight ends. And they're all really good, but they don't need all three of them. Yeah. Anyone, obviously, Gronk's not available, but is OJ Howard available? Like, can you go get him? Is he available for trade? Because if he's available for like a fourth round pick, even a third round pick, if I'm the Chargers, that's a deal I need to make. I think they need to get a tight end that they can utilize in, in just like a play action seam role. Because it seems like they just need a guy that can always be open like 10 yards down the field. Or Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is another one. I feel like he's pretty available with Philly. I just think they need a tight end. I, I think Jared Cook is just washed. I think he's 37. Like, I, I don't want a 37-year-old tight end that has bad hands and fumbles the ball and makes dumb mistakes all the time. Like 34. He co- 34. Okay, he's 34. He cost the Saints a playoff game last year. Like, he fumbled that ball. He cost them a playoff game. He cost the Chargers a touchdown yesterday. Like, he has not played well. I think they need to make a couple calls and see if they can find a tight end. Because I really think they're like a tight end away from being a lot better of a football team. I really do. They just need like a third pass catcher. Last thing about the Chargers, the defense. The defense also stepped up in a very big way. Um, we don't, I don't want to talk about Asante Samuel yet because we do have a rookie recap and we'll talk about defense and offense because even the defensive players on, on this rookie class stepped up this week. I mean, we No, already- I want to hammer something on you right now. Okay. You have you shit on the Cowboys the whole offseason about their defense. I did. Their defense has played well two weeks in a row now. I, I need to hear something out of you because Micah Parsons looks really good. He is really good. He makes things happen. I, I don't know what you you're going to tell you. I'm I just, sorry. I just want to hear that you were too hard on the Cowboys and you were too hard on the Cowboys draft. Because I, mean, I don't know. You really I, went in on them. Sure. And I told you that they were going to be at least middle of the road, and they are at least middle of the road. Right sure. Now. I'll, I'll say that I was too hard on the Cowboys, but I, I don't think it, it switches anything up. I still don't think their cornerbacks are very good. I'll apologize. That Michael Parsons pick, they were winners in that draft. Sure. They're not, not winners. They're de- they definitely weren't losers. I'm not going to give them all a right. winner status F- yet. That's all I'm looking for. They definitely for. weren't losers because Michael Parsons is legit. And thinking back for a minute... Let's just let's reminisce on, on the past of this podcast so far. I don't understand why I, I had Michael Parsons as almost an 
absolute Hall of Famer right off the gun. And I don't know if it's just my Cowboys hate that came out of me for that episode that I just pinned them as losers. But You're yeah. like, oh, they got the best defensive <laughs> player in the draft. They lost the draft. They they suck. Like, what? They moved back in the draft and got the best defensive player? Are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to rehash that, but... Yeah, okay, listen, there's an who's, apology that's like, been issued. Who's played two tougher offenses so far this season than the Cowboys? They've played Tampa week one, and we'll get to them in a minute. And they just played the Chargers, who went up and down the field, but they ha- they kept them out of the end zone. Like, they have played basically the hardest schedule, I think, so far. I agree. I, I think they've played the hardest schedule so far. Like, my God. You know? Like, I'm give, I'll give them credit. Their defense looks all right. good. That's, I appreciate that. But I appreciate that. The, the thing I want to hammer home for their offense is, what are you doing with that running back room? Is I, I I'm okay with is what's Tony going Pollard right kind of just a a plug and play like I think he is a kind he's, of a distraction not, a little bit. He's not getting the volume, you know. He's I mean he's, he is he is getting the volume, but they're utilizing him in such a scat back role that you know I don't think it matters. Also, really long season. Yeah. I think as much as you can preserve Zeke in the first four or five weeks is going to help you. So, you know. Don't jump off the Zeke train yet. I, I still think he's going to have... He looked good yesterday. He had some really nice runs. Like, nobody can turn three yards into six yards better than he can, other than, like, Derrick Henry. I will just say, Tony Pollard on 13 carries went for 109. I, I understand. And a touchdown. But, like, when he comes in, they run a lot of gadget stuff. Yeah. You know, when Zeke's in the game, they pack the box on him. He I, doesn't see... It. Like, if Tony Pollard got the same carries that Zeke got, he would see the same kind of boxes, you know? When he's in the game... No, you're, you're 100% right about that. It's just a little nerve-wracking looking, as a Cowboys fan and as Cowboys players... Not, I mean, not as a Cowboys fan because I'm not a Cowboys converting? fan. Converting? Are you transitioning? If, if I was a Cowboys fan, my thoughts on this would be, well, we have Ezekiel Elliott. What's his contract? I think he's getting paid like... 12 million or something like that or 9 million dollars a year yeah we, something, something along those lines and and this also goes back let's reminisce a little bit more about the podcast remember when we had that that question from a, a listener on why do running backs not get paid as much as as quarterbacks oh yeah well they're replaceable and this just proves it yeah zeke is I mean, making are, 12 million dollars and tony pollard is making less than a million it's dollars. like yeah it's like nine hundred thousand. like it's nine hundred eighty thousand dollars a year yeah but put if zeke gets hurt oh their offense no, suffers big time, there's no better you know? running back i'd want than tony pollard though no, because I disagree because I don't think Tony Pollard can do the Zeke role. Tony Pollard is not a physical, downhill, set-the-tone kind of guy. So, Tony Pollard is a change of pace back who had a nice day yesterday. And he had a solid day in week one. Like, he wasn't great. He had a solid day. He's going to get yards like that. He's James White. He's a, he's a little more explosive version of James White. Like, a lot so of teams we, have those guys. Are we taking... Taking what we've seen through week one and two with a grain of salt with Tony Pollard, yeah, I think so. So when when if if this kind of increases to where not increases but stays the same, where Tony Pollard is getting roughly the same amount of carries, maybe six, three to six to ten less than than Zeke, and he keeps on the on the productivity that he's been showing throughout week one and two. When when will you finally say that Tony Pollard is kind of a replacement option for Ezekiel Elliott. If we get to like week nine and it's still the same like this, I'll. I'll I just think it's a long season. They've they've extended the season. You know, Zeke really didn't play a lot last year. Dak didn't play a lot last year. Like I think it's all about 
preserving those guys. And I think you're going to see that with a lot of teams. A lot of teams like went out and got secondary running backs this year to really preserve their guys. So I think you're going to see Tony Pollard get a good share of the carries. But anytime they needed to get five yards yesterday and it was in a running situation, you know who the guy was that was in the game? It was Ezekiel Elliott. And you know who can really pass block? It was Ezekiel Elliott. You didn't see Tony Pollard pass blocking. You saw Zeke pass blocking. He's really good at that. Like, I think we just need to wait five, six weeks before we make that determine, you know, determination because Zeke is still the better player. Yeah, I'm not saying, like, throw in Tony Pollard over Zeke yet. No, no, I, I know what you're saying. I just, I I just want to point out the, the, the three less carries, 38 more yards, same amount of touchdowns. It's just something to, to, I, no, I totally want to point agree. out. Okay. Totally, totally get it. I just think that, you know, he's had a couple nice weeks, but... Zeke is still the guy. They don't go, they're not going anywhere without Zeke. They're just not. Like, the Cowboys, I said, have a roster that should be able to win the Super Bowl. They're not doing that without Ezekiel Elliott. They need him. He is vital. Like, if you watch them in passing downs when he's in the game, he takes massive punishment in the, in the blocking scheme. He is massive in that role. He does a lot for them. They're not winning that with Tony Pollard. They, they need Zeke big time. He's, he is the crucial guy. In that offense. He's going to be the guy that makes everything go. Let's move on. You want to do... Cardinals-Vikings. Cardinals-Vikings. Okay. This game. Kyler Murray. Yeah, he's... Can, is there anything more that we could say about, about him? I mean, I'm, I just like being right. I, okay, but you can't look at me for that. No, I can't, but I, I'm looking at all the people that, you know, we're like, ah, he's you know a little overrated. We're looking at the same people that have told us numerous times that Dak Prescott is not a top 10 quarterback in the league. Those Pretty are the much, people we're yeah. looking at. Kyler Murray, 29 completions on 36 attempts for 400 yards, three touchdowns, and two very stupid interceptions. Yeah, those two interceptions. The, the second one, he was trying to check it down to the tight end, uh, Max Williams there. Just that was awful. He never saw the middle linebacker. And then the first one, I'm trying to recall the first one. I, it, you know they what were play both it was late. on? They were both late in the game. They the, were in the third quarter. Yeah. Third, third and fourth quarter. The, the, the second pick was the really bad one. Yeah, you never saw the middle linebacker. The first one wasn't terrible, but it was also a throw that he probably shouldn't have been making. I, I can't recall off the top of my head where the, that interception was, but both, take my word for it, both of those interceptions were very dumb. They were just both balls that he shouldn't have been throwing, and the second one was just atrocious. D Hop was really quiet in this game. Yeah, he had a four big for first quarter. And a he had all of that in the first quarter. Yeah, he didn't have a catch after the first quarter. But you want to know who balled out? This is also another rookie report. We'll do early. My man Rondell Moore out of Purdue. He's he's very fast. Seven receptions. Let me let me pull up this stat really quick. Go ahead and talk for for a quick second that I saw uh, earlier. Yeah, Rondell was impressive. That I mean, obviously he had a lot of his yardage on one play, a seventy-four yard touchdown. I think it was. It, you know, it was a nice catch and run. He's really fast. AJ Green looked good to me too. I I was impressed with AJ Green. They went to him a lot in third down situations. He had a couple nice, really physical catches. You look like you have the stat ready to go. Rondale Moore is averaging 14.3 yards after catch per reception this season. Okay, but how many catches does he have on the season? Uh, he had seven this game, and they get three last game. Okay. So he's 10 catches. So he's 10 I catches. Understand. One was like an 80-yarder. So, I understand. you know, that kind of bumps things up a little bit. I understand. You know, that... But it, that's still, let's wait five that's more still, games before we put him in the Hall of Fame. No, 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 no. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But the the that's five more yards averaged 
after reception than any other NFL player. That's still that's still an impressive stat. Yeah, it, it's impressive. It, it's it's you very know. it's a very low sample size, but it's still an impressive stat out Look, of a we, rookie in their second game. We said it after the draft. That was the perfect team for him because that team is going to utilize him in the best way possible. They're going to get him the ball either quickly or downfield on big plays. They're going to get him in space because the Cardinals are really good at getting guys into space. That's what they do. They, you know, that that air raid offense, it's a spread zone system where basically they clear things out and they find an open hole. It's it's almost like a, a hybrid checkdown offense where it's like, okay, they run checkdown, 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 and then one guy's on a streak with a crosser and you know, either that guy's open because they covered up the checkdowns, or you got four checkdowns wide open that can go for seventy yards because all three of those guys run four four. Well, it also doesn't matter because the the Cardinals the Cardinals plays break down more than any other NFL team. So you can have you can have DeAndre Hopkins on a slant route, and then you look at look at eight, eight seconds later, Kyler Murray's running 10 yards to the left of the field and then 10 yards to the right of the field, and then you have DeAndre Hopkins on a corner route and he's wide open going on the field. That's what happened on the Rondell Moore catch. I think Rondell was on a was on a deep hook, and then Kyler just broke out of the pocket and made something happen, and what do you, Rondell Moore is wide open on the field for a touchdown. Kyler Murray is playing, he's the actor in the Russell Wilson movie, playing a better version of Russell Wilson, basically. Uh, it, it's, it's really ridiculous. He's playing backyard football. And the Vikings, can they just find more ways to win ga- or to lose games? I mean, how Everything how do they constantly find a way to? First of all, they had thirty seven seconds left in the game, and they just were like, "Nah, let's kick the field goal now." How about get a little bit closer? Because I know a thirty seven yarder should be a chip shot, but how many games are you going to lose on field goals at the last minute? Like they're turning into the Buffalo Bills. It's it's really bad. And all you got to do is just run the ball like two more times, you know, throw something out, make it a 31-yard field goal. Like 31 is a lot closer than 37. I feel like that's a bit easier. Why not give it to your all-star running back who already had 22 carries for 131 yards? Right. What's twenty? What's 24 carries yeah. to that guy? Like two more running plays with 37 seconds left in the game? He was averaging like, six yards a carry. So he was yeah, at 30, just, it was a 37. So give him two carries. Let's cut it down to a 28-yard field goal. That's pretty easy, you know? Yeah. I feel like it, his kick probably would have been good from that distance because it hooked in the last five yards. So I, and they just they just shoot themselves in the foot. That team just continues to find ways to shoot themselves in the foot. They get off to slow start. Like they got off to a slow start. You can't get off to a slow start against Arizona because they're going to bury you. That team is the best front-running team in the league other than Kansas City. And realistically, Kyler doesn't make those two dumb interceptions. This game isn't even close. Yeah, it wouldn't even been close. Like, so you got lucky to be in the game. You had a chance to squeak one out, which would have been a really nice road win for you after you had a really depressing loss week one, and you managed to lose. I, I do want to give the Vikings a little bit of credit. I mean, Kirk Cousins only had 10 missed balls, 244 yards, and three touchdowns. They have this K.J. Osborne guy who came out of nowhere for five receptions and 91 yards and a touchdown. So their offense isn't only Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen anymore. They have a young, another young prospect to, to hopefully look forward to in the future. It's just the Vikings. What You're finding, like you said, you're, they're finding every single way in the world to lose football games, and it just makes zero sense. I don't know if it's a coaching issue. I don't know if it's a Kirk Cousins issue. I don't know what it is. I, I think just, we need to I think we need to reevaluate our first coach fired. 
I think it's Mike Zimmer. It I, could be. I just think that at sometimes you need a new voice in the locker room, and that team is pretty talented. Like they have good talent on both sides of the ball. Their defense is really talented, and like to just blow games the way that they do, that you know that's not just players. That's coaching. Well, I don't think when you're can... when you're undisciplined and you just consistently find ways to lose games. That comes down to that comes down to coaching. Like New England, you ha- the last twenty years. New, does New England ever screw that up? Do they miss that field no. goal? Never. They don't miss that. No, because they they're always not taking execute a 37-yard right. field goal. They're taking a 25-yard right. field goal. They're, they're getting the clock down to three seconds. Tom Brady against Dallas. We He threw four passes out of the bounds because he's like, yeah, you're going to have zero seconds on the clock to get this ball back. I'm going to execute this perfectly, and you're going to have no time. And it's like, at some point, that comes down to coaching, and I think Mike Zimmer is actually a good football coach, but sometimes like you just you need a new voice in the locker room and I think that's where we are with the Vikings. I just think that his voice is washed up, and they need some just something new. They got to hear something new. And well, I think their offense is kind of it's clunky. It's like okay, run it on first down. Oh, we got four yards. So let's try to run it again. Okay, we got three yards. They are gonna kill Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I mean he's you know his carries is ridiculous. he went down with four injuries yesterday. Every, he was in he was in the it's tent. every eight plays he's down grabbing his knee. He was in the tent twice yesterday. And to the first coach fired thing, our our two favorites were who? Vic Fangio and Matt Nagy. Both of those coaches are two and zero right now. No, Matt Nagy's one and one. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Sorry, I apologize. <laughs> Giving the Bears a win against the Rams. All right, I like to see it. <laughs> um, and then what? Mike McCarthy was the other one. Yeah, we did talk about McCarthy. Also one and one, one, one. And I don't even know if he's really coached that great of a year. I think Kellen Moore is really. He's really the guy coaching that team right now. Yeah. And Dan Quinn on the defense. I don't think Mike... Does Mike McCarthy do anything? I, I think he just stands there like with the clipboard and it's like I talk to Jerry Jones Monday through Friday and he tells me what he wants to do with the team and then I stand there and I, it looks like I catch flies in my mouth because every time they pan to him on the sidelines, his mouth is just open like he's not sure. If Are we sure sh- it's just not a cardboard cutout? I'm not sure if he's sitting there wondering if he just shit himself or if he farted. Like, I can't tell sometimes. I, I don't know if he even coaches. I think Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore are the coaches of that team. I don't think he, Mike McCarthy does anything in all seriousness. I can't disagree with you there. I just, let's go. <laughs> let's go Titans Seahawks. Let's go to the other 4 o'clock game. Yeah. yeah. Um. I'm so mad about this game. All right, we're not doing fantasy. I though. understand. We're not talking fantasy. But it's it's also, outside of fantasy, the officiating of this game was so oh, inconsistent it was and bad that this game is so hard to talk about. The Titans won 33-30. Was Julio Jones' catch a I think he was out. It looked to me like the back of his cleat was on the on the end line. I thought so too. I know that there's been some some Have you been zooms. On Twitter I, a lot. I don't trust Twitter with that kind of crap at all. I understand. I don't, I don't want to see the Twitter mob that, you know, manipulates a picture to make it look a certain way because we've seen that with a lot of different things. So just from my take watching the game, it looked like his cleat was on the end line. That's what I thought. So the Titans organization posted the picture, and I don't think they'd be one to enhance a picture to help them, because it really doesn't matter. That's risking a fine. 
for your team as a whole when you call up you the You won the game. Shut no, up. I understand. This was you know? this was right after No, no, I, I understand that. But you won the game. And Shut up. The picture I saw, I think it was a touchdown. But from the camera angles that they were giving the referees of this game that we saw on Red Zone, it, it was clear. I said it when we were watching the game. I said his foot was out. His heel, his heel came down. I looked at you right away. We, we both said, that's a fantastic catch. Because you told me, you didn't even know what the rule was. Because I had said, oh, does it matter if the heel came out? And you said, yeah, his toe so, just has to come in. So I went back and looked this up. Had he toe-dragged it and his heel just never came down, it's a catch. Yeah. But because his foot came down, then it becomes not a catch. Okay. So that's why I got that wrong. Because I've always just assumed, oh, you just need to get your toe in and then fall out of bounds. But it's not like where if you just get a hand down, the rest of your body goes out of bounds, you're still good. You know, like if your butt hits the ground and then like your backside falls out, you're still in. You know, So Julio a Jones becomes a ballerina for five seconds. That's a touchdown. Basically, yeah. He lands on his feet and twists. It's a touchdown. So, look, the real bad call was the safety that they missed at the end of the game. That should have just been a safety. Yes. Like there was no reason to down that on the one yard line. He was in the end zone. They said that he was at the one when he got touched. He got touched in the end zone. So forward progress, there was no forward progress. He was in the end zone when the sack started. You don't get to start the sack, get out, get onto the one, and then finish in the end zone. Like it's where the sack begins, and it was in the end zone. So that's that should have been a safety. Also, he threw the ball, which would have been intentional grounding in the end zone, anyways. So that should have been a safety too. So that that call to me was the egregious one. I felt like it wasn't a catch. That's a really tough spot for the officials. Oh, and that's not even where I was saying that the officiating was bad because, like, they did the right thing. They called it a touchdown, and then they went back and reviewed it. That that was that's the right process to take. If it comes down to where they were wrong, they were given the wrong camera angles because those camera angles did not help the case of that being a touchdown. You can go back and look at whatever pictures and videos that you want to take. Right, because they don't get to freeze yeah. frame it and zoom in on it, on on all that. Like They just get the camera angles that are given to them. They don't get the after the game, after they've pixelated it and zoomed in. They don't get to see that because that takes digital work. Like They don't get that in the moment. And you know, props to the, like you said, props to them for calling it a touchdown so they could review it. Because that's the right thing to do. Call it a touchdown, and then you can go back and look at it. I I really like when officials do that. It's like the when you think it's a fumble and they don't blow the fucking whistle right away Good and they chill. just, you know, they let the guy run the fucking play out. Just just make just do that. Stay out of the way, let the plays happen and then make the decision afterwards. NFL fans would be happy about that. But again, I'm not one to complain about officiating. I'm okay when they get calls wrong. I, I hate when they get calls wrong, but if they get them wrong, they get them wrong. They're they're humans. I'm okay with that. I can live with bad calls. Let's talk about the offenses as a whole. I want to start with the Titans. Ryan Tannehill does not look great. They can't block for him. No. They can't block. I, you, you've missed Taylor Wan played bad against Chandler Jones in the first week and then missed the entirety of the second game due to a knee injury warming up before the game. Is he done for the season? I don't think so. Because that was non-contact in warm-ups. Like, anytime you see stuff like that, you wonder ACL. I, I don't. I mean, he walked off without help. I mean, I know you can with an ACL, but I don't. I haven't seen any news. I would think that that would be MRI right away. We'd know within the hour of the game, but I have no. I, I have no idea. Um, Derrick Henry is the entirety of the Tennessee Titans' offense again. It's amazing they were able to get back in the game running the ball. 
normally in that situation, you got to throw, throw, throw. And they're like, you know, we're just going to run the ball. We'll do what we do well. Like, okay, great. So you did what you're supposed to do. Did, did you forget? Like, remember when we talked about, oh, how hard is it to just, you know, the offense? Like Arthur, Arthur Smith, how good of a coach really is he? He had to tell the team to hand the ball off to the 260-pound monster in the backfield. Well, apparently that's hard to do because it took Mike Vrabel two weeks to figure it out. Yeah. Derek Henry, 35 carries, 182 yards, three touchdowns. Averaging. 35 carries is too many, though. Oh, they, I agree. They need to get that down to, like, 25. 35, you are going to burn him out. If they only kept the 25, though, they don't no, that I game. understand that, but I felt like they took too long to establish it, and then at the end, they were just like, okay, we're just going to hand it to this guy on every play. What I'm more impressed about receiving end of Derrick Henry we saw all offseason he was working on his dink and dunk passes with Ryan Tannehill, working on his receiving games with his coaches. Comes out in this game and six receptions for 55 yards. I mean, I wasn't blown away. He didn't make any like tough catches. They it's, were all but it's better they were than all it check downs and I don't know if it was better than last year. Like I always felt like they could check it down to him. You know, he's not James White. He can't run patterns, but I always felt like he was a pretty solid check down receiver. You know, I don't think he made anything difficult yesterday. Uh, Julio Jones is still the same receiver that he was in Atlanta. Let's we got to pump the brakes on that. Uh, I'm I, talking being touchdown reliant. He doesn't oh, he doesn't okay. score touchdowns, yeah. but he gets 128 yards on six receptions. Uh, can the man ever score touchdowns? Does it matter what team he's on? Well, he's you know he's always stepping out of bounds. Oh so, yeah, he's stepping know? out of bounds. Sorry, but I mean he Julio Jones was the main target for Ryan Tannehill in this game, and I mean you can't even say that he had six receptions. AJ Brown had had three, but I think they had the same amount of targets. A.J. Brown dropped two two very bad balls as well in this game. That The defensive performance by both teams was about as good as the Chiefs-Ravens game. Just guys running wide. Can, is Tyler Lockett just always open in the secondary? It, or is it just against Tennessee and the Colts because, my God. All of last year it was, oh, Russell Wilson's throwing the ball deep down the field. That's probably D.K. Metcalf. But now it's, oh, Russell Wilson's throwing the ball way down the field. There's DK Metcalf at the 15-yard line. Who's wide so, open also. So Yeah, who's also wide open. But there's Tyler Lockett, 50 yards down the field, who is sometimes covered, sometimes not, and scoring all the touchdowns in this offense. Um, Let's jump to the Rams game. I don't, I don't, th- that, that game was so to frustrating yeah. to me because Seattle blew that. That was such a choke job on their end. Like They choked that game away, and they should have won the game. They were up massive, and that's a bad win. Like You need to win those games at home. You just do. So I agree. that's a really bad loss for Seattle. I just want to talk briefly about the Rams. I don't have a lot on them. They're your Super Bowl pick. Do you have them winning the Super Bowl? I do. You do. I'm not feeling it. I'm not in on the Rams Stafford hype yet. The Colts, to me, are really bad. And I felt like the Colts had the ball basically in the entire game. And then anytime the Rams the Rams wanted to, like Cooper Cup was wide open for some reason. It's like, hey, guys, I know he's white. Might want to cover him. Like, he's kind of good. He goes to breakfast with the quarterback. He does he's... go to... I think Robert Woods needs to start going to those breakfasts a few minutes early. Show up five minutes early and bring some bring something better than, than Cooper Cup brings. Like, if Cooper Cup is bringing bagels, bring donuts. Like... Are do- donuts better than bagels, though? As breakfast, maybe not. Okay, so bring, like, crepes. Or something Crapes. like, I, yeah, something uh, like you, that know, you couldn't typically mimosas? get at breakfast. Yeah, bring mimosas. mimosas I mean, maybe you know? not before practices, but I don't I, know. I feel like they could have one or two before practice. Yeah, Robert Woods just seems to get in on whatever 
Cooper Cup is doing and just is, kind of one up. Is Matt Stafford bit. racist? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Stafford is. Barry said it best. Matt Stafford is racist. It, yes, if you don't follow, we'll throw it, throw it to Twitter really quick. Well, wait if a minute. We can't. We can't. Barry McConnell. No, it's not Barry. No, it's not it's, Barry. It's, okay. it's Joe. It's Joe. At Joe Barry on here. Yes. Okay. He he is. I don't a, know who Barry McCockner is. He doesn't exist on Twitter. He, he is a troll banned. on Twitter who is so funny and loves football. If you want comedy twenty four seven, follow him on Twitter. He's an excellent follower. Made a joke that Matthew Stafford might be racist because he's only targeting Cooper Cup. It's not true. Don't don't take it seriously at all. It's one hundred percent a joke. But yeah. It, it Anyways, was, I'm just not feeling the Rams offense yet. I'm not feeling their defense either. How many games? I need to see I need to see like seven games where they don't play two teams that are just frustrating as hell to watch. Because if Carson Wentz is your quarterback and Andy Dalton is the quarterback you're facing, what are you really going up against? So can I bring up the games that they have coming up? Well, I know they have Tampa. Tampa this week. next week. Yes. Arizona the week after. Seattle the week after that. And then they have the Giants, Detroit, Houston. So that's a that's a three game streak of, of bad quarterbacks. Tennessee. Then they have San Fran. Green okay, right Bay. there. You can okay after the Green Bay. So that's the Green nine, Bay after the that's bye their week next 11. nine games. Yes. Okay. I need to see them win at least three of the tough five games. They have five tough games in there. They need to win three of those five. So they beat Arizona and Seattle because I don't think they're going to beat Tampa. They're favored in that game. They might beat Tampa. They might. I need to see them beat at least three of those five games, okay? And then they need to win the three easy games that they should win. So they need to go six and two or six and two, or I said nine games, right? Let's let's take it to week 10. So they have seven games or eight games. They have eight games. I need to see them go six and two over their next eight. Okay. And I need to see the wins be against the top. If they don't beat Tampa, I can live with that because Tampa might go. We'll but you're saying if they minute. lose to Tampa and then they, they somehow lose to Houston. Or are you saying if they, if I, they I mean, lose they to need to beat. They, they need to beat the good teams. Okay. I need to see them beat the good teams. They're beating teams that have frustrating quarterbacks that at any point in time might just give them the ball. And the offense to me, like the first two weeks, all I've seen are with like five of these teams in the league, just receivers running wide open down the middle of the field. You know, well, any quarterback, in the, yeah, both like games. any quarterback. Let me see someone take Cooper Cup out of the game where he's not just open all the time, and then let's see what this offense looks like. Because I still think McVay is McVay is a really good coach. I've never said he's not. I just think that we're overhyping the Rams and we're all ready to put him in the Super Bowl. Like I gotta see it. I need to see more. That defense isn't as good as it was last year. It's not. They're not covering the underneath stuff the way that they did. They didn't give you anything underneath last year at all and now it's like anytime you want to just check it off for five yards they're you're getting it against them i i need to see more i need to see week 10 you know give me to week 10 be eight and two with some really good wins on your belt and then we'll talk i'm just not there yet it's too early for me yeah i i, I can't disagree i mean i can't disagree but i'm, I'm i mean they're your super bowl team yeah. so i you know I, they are really good they're still a good team they, they I, should. I agree with the overhyping. I, I'm not. I'm not overhyping the the Rams. I've just been very confident in Matthew Stafford over the past three years, and I think he can get it done. But there are people that are like, 
all the the Rams are by far the best team in the, in the league, and I don't think so yet. I still think they're going to hit a rocky a rocky stretch where they they might lose three games or they they, they shouldn't lose. But that's that's all I have. I've been high on the Rams since they got Matthew Stafford. Let's jump into the rookie recap. Can we do Tom Brady for three minutes? Go ahead. Is he trying? Is he trying to break every single season record? He has nine touchdowns in two <laughs> games. He almost had a rushing touchdown in this game. I, oh my god! Like they're getting to the one yard line and they're like, hand the ball off? Hell no! <laughs> we got Gronkowski and Mike Evans. Like it's it's insane. Can we talk about? You mentioned Ezekiel Elliott getting the shit kicked out of him in the pass block game. Can we talk about Leonard for a for a second? There yeah, was sure. There was a series of of plays for the Bucks where Leonard Fournette Leonard Fournette took two carries and got maybe two yards, three yards on each of them, and then comes in and just hammers linebackers to protect Tom Brady. And there was one there was one time where Leonard Fournette did it and looked at Tom Brady and goes, "I got you." And Tom Brady just smacks him on the back of the head, like. Like I just, when you mentioned Ezekiel, that's the first thing I thought of was that that sequence of events. But Leonard Fournette is putting his all into this, into that team. You can tell he wants another Super Bowl. Yeah, he wants to win. I think. Well, I think if you're him, you know, you took a discount two years in a row to go there. You pull it off. You can potentially sign a deal for, you know, not big money, but maybe a three-year deal for eighteen million down the road. You know, if you pull it off two years in a row, you show that you're a winning player and you have some, you know, you can bring something to an offense that you know how to win. And he's improved as a pass catcher a little bit. I think he's gotten better. I, I got to ask you this one. You are a Tony Gonzalez guy. You've, you've said that he is the GOAT of tight ends. Pretty consistently, you have not wavered from that. What's it going to take? Do I, I need full honesty on this podcast? I, Unbiased, I need some full honesty. Full unbiased honesty because I need to know what it's going to take for you to give that mantle up to Rob Gronkowski because right now he has four touchdowns on the season and I believe he has like 167 yards receiving what's it going to take because he's not as fast as he used to be but Jesus is he always open he just knows how to get open and he's always in the right spot I'm almost there we're almost there okay all right we're almost there so what's what's pushing you there it, it's the fact that we're how long has been in the league? Ten years, twelve so years. He got drafted in two thousand and ten, so eleven years. This is his eleventh season. season. Well, no, it's his tenth season because okay. he missed that full. It's really like his seventh season because he's missed like three full seasons of play. It's the fact that what's what's keeping him out of number one. I can give you that. Tony Gonzalez went to other teams and played with other quarterbacks. When threatened with playing with a different quarterback and going to the Detroit Lions, Rob Gronkowski threatened retirement. Can you blame him, though? I can't. Because why would but you want to go to Detroit? It's it's hard to give the greatest tight end spot away to a guy that has only shown success with the greatest quarterback of all time. Okay, that's fine. But has there ever been, like in the history of football... Like, remember we always re- referred to Jason Witten as, like, the, the greatest security blanket because he was always open for six yards? Like, you need to get five yards? Is there anybody better? Cause no, but... It seems like any time... That, off- that Tampa offense is ridiculous, and there's superstars all over the field. Anytime they have a big play and they need to get a first down, it's Gronk. 
It's always Gronk. And at some point, it's like the guy's just better than everybody. And it's like he's, it's like how Brady's gotten smarter with age. And he just, you know, they always talk about it in every game. It's like you get to the line, and Brady's like, okay, I already know what you're in. All right. Where's your third corner? Oh, he's over there. He's matched up with this guy. Okay. Well, I'm going to run this guy on a fade or something, and he's going to be wide open. It's like Gronk's the same way now. If Gronk can play this entire season and keep up the productivity he's showing through the first two games with Tom Brady. I mean, the same pro. Because right now he's on pace for, like, what, 30 touchdowns? At least to be. At least be. Double digits, right? At least he's got to get to double digits. Yes. Okay. And then show that you are a. You're consistently being a huge part of that Tampa offense. And I don't want to see blocking. I want to see... Because I've already given the title of, of Rob Gronkowski is a better pass blocker than Well, Tony that's not Gonzalez. even a question. That dude's yes. ridiculous. I want to see him be a very big part of this Tampa offense for at least 14 games. 13 okay. games. I mean, that's that's fine. I it's. I think he's been rejuvenated. It'll always be the quarterback thing for me, though. But see, you hold that against him like, like you know... Gonzalez didn't play with really good quarterbacks. No, exactly, but you know he, he had he did play with Trent Green, who was pretty freaking good in Kansas City, and he did play with Matt Ryan. And you can crap on Matt Ryan all you want, but like Matt Ryan's gonna finish like top three all time in passing yards. I understand that, but none of those guys are Tom Brady. I mean, that's fine. Tom you know, fucking only Brady. one guy, kid show. Only one guy got to play with Tom Brady. You know, it is what it is. But Gronk's also been so unstoppable. He's always open. He's I understand. Just always o- so I don't want to continue and that I, any I've, farther. I've but. made jokes that Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski is the third best tight end. If you ever hear me say that, just know those are jokes to get under his skin. Because I know that even I can admit that they're jokes to I, him. They still I get, get under more his skin. pissed off when people say that Gronk's not the goat than when they say Brady's not the goat. Because, like, I understand there's an argument against Gronk, but come on, that dude has been unstoppable for a decade, and it, it you know, he's missed all that time, and to have. 102 touchdowns basically and he's missed all 102 touchdowns in basically like eight seasons is insane okay let's let's <laughs> that's insane let's move on a little bit okay um we want to do rookies here rookie, or, rook, ru- young players are we calling this rookie recap or rookie report what are we what are we doing here i kind of like rookie report okay i like that a we little have better game so recap, this, is, rookie this report. is the rookie report okay where where do you want to start you want to start offense or defense well, you were, you really wanted to bring up the defensive guys, so I'm going to let you do that because I didn't really – I was just focusing on the quarterback situation for this week, and I know you wanted to talk about Rondale Moore, but we already did that, and the receivers who after a good week one, not a good week one for the three, the big three, but Kyle Pitts with a bounce back week was pretty impressive. So I just want to mention the three cornerbacks on the defensive side, and then we already talked about Jason Alway making making that – that stop. Yeah, in, we we already talked about Sunday him. We game. can we can move past him. Um, all three of those cornerbacks that were drafted in the first round. Oh, not all not all in the first round, but you have J.C. Horn and you have Patrick Sertain, and then you have Asante Samuel who's drafted. Okay, in the I was going to say because are you talking about Caleb Farley? Because no. I watched him get torched all day. No, Asante Samuel got drafted in the second round. I forgot, but Patrick Sertain, two tackles, two assists, and one interception. And then I think I saw that they had he had three passes uh defended and, and broken up earned earned the red zone rookie of the week uh just looked totally impressive and then let's talk about jc horn or not jc horn that's Samuel 
also had an interception. He was dominant against the Cowboys. And, yes, dominated. I, I the don't Cowboys. have the stats because I don't care about cornerback stats. I just go with what my eyes tell me. He's legit. He's his daddy. He's he is what his dad was, and his dad was a wasn't a shutdown corner, but was a darn good corner in this league for a long time. He's pretty much like his father. He's all over the ball. He's aggressive. He's physical. He's got speed, long arms. That play he made on the made in the end zone, and I believe Amari in the end zone was really impressive. Yeah, he made a break on the ball when it was basically in Amari's hands. And then I still want to mention uh, J.C. Horn. He did have an interception in that game. He's played good. I, I've I've watched enough of him to see that he's not getting torched yet. I, I think I've been pretty impressive with him, and that Panthers defense looks good. And I think he's a pretty big part of it because I think he is their number one corner. Yeah. So just those three defensive cornerbacks just dominated their games and looked absolutely phenomenal and just makes me go back on the fact that this is might be go down as the best rookie class of all time. If not... We'll pump the brakes on that for now, but it's pretty close. Yes. Every three out of four kids that went in the first two rounds are looking like stars right now. Like, Christian Barmore for New England was beastly yesterday in the run game. He was in on every play. And then we talked about Micah Parsons for the Cowboys. He was all over the place. Trayvon Merrig, the safety that was out of TCU for the Raiders. I mean, Jesus, he was involved against the Steelers. I think he had two pass breakups and a couple really big-time tackles for them. Just... it. What a good class. Yeah. What a really good class. And let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. Just the quarterbacks for now. Can we do Kyle Pitts really quickly? Yes. Because he had a bad week. Uh, it wasn't his fault. The whole Falcons had a bad week one. Week two was really good. I think he was eight catches for 78 yards. And he had a few good, great catches. Yeah. Where he had to move his body yeah. for the God. ball. Yes. His, his after the catch is going to be so special. Yeah. He is so special. If they can just get him more involved where... He's not having to where he can just win one on ones because he can beat any linebacker in the league. It's not even close. He's, I mean, he's not Calvin Johnson out there, but my God, he's good. Um, to the quarterbacks, we saw a little bit of Justin Fields with the Andy Dalton injury. Justin Fields came in uh, six completions on thirteen attempts, an interception with sixty and yards. He he had a fumble loss, or he had a fumble that was recovered by. Yeah, the Bears. he had a fumble. That was a bad fumble. Yeah. Ball security. Here's what I have written down for Justin Fields, and I know I noted this yesterday: ball security and ball placement, I, not good. Yeah, and I this s- is why the Bears fans jumped the gun. They needed to wait. He needed to sit. Now he's in. I still need to see more before I give my proper evaluation. But we did see more of him. Onto the one that was surprising that we saw this early: Davis Mills of the Houston Texans, eight completions on eighteen attempts for 102 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Again, I need to see more more games under his belt. He came in and he looked decent against the Browns defense. Again, I want to see more. Let's move into the number one pick before we get into the game that had two rookie quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence. Looks like a rookie. Looks like a rookie. He just looks like a rookie. He's making mistakes. 14 on 33 attempts, 118 yards, one touchdown, and two more interceptions on the year for him so far. Does not look great. Here, here's what he looks like to me. It looks like he's trying things that he shouldn't, and he's, okay, I tried it. It didn't work. Now I know I can't do that. And, again, I'm going to say it again. I think we've done this podcast 
where we talked about actual Trevor Lawrence games three times now, maybe four. I think all four times I've said Urban Meyer was a bad hire, and he just I, Urban Meyer doesn't look like he knows what he's doing out there. Yeah, that offense looks. It, I said it already about another team, but it looks clunky. It's like, okay, we run the ball on first down. Okay, we got four yards. Okay, um, let's throw a deep shot on play action. Okay, and then oh, third down. All right, five wide receiver, five spread out, and you know make something happen. It's like, oh my god, can you run something with some creativity? It's like, is Jason Garrett coaching this team? My god, like run something. Trevor's really dynamic. He can move. He he's pretty athletic. He's got a big arm. Can we run something? Maybe on first down, let's take a shot. Let's take a shot on first down. Maybe we'll catch him off guard. And he only really had one one target or one receiver that had more than six reception or more than one reception. It was Marvin Jones who had six for 55 and a touchdown. And it also didn't hurt that LaVisca Chenault got hurt in this game, and he needs to be involved. Like, they just – they need to get him in space. He's one of those guys that – he's like Cordero Patterson, like what we hoped he would be, where you just get him in space and he can make things happen because he's pretty shifty. And they're just not doing that. And – you know, like James Robinson, we got to see some more out of him. We we just need to get – they need to get him open with the ball. Can we get anybody on this offense with some room? It's like every time they complete a pass or they do anything, the guy's got three three defenders on him already and they can't do anything to move around. No, there's nothing that's getting anybody space at all. Everything is clunky. The offense is just a mess. It's a mess. Trevor's being asked to do a lot which that's fine. That might help him learn in the long run, but it might hurt him too. I, I'm, he's just making a lot of mistakes. He's learning from them, but at the same time, at some point he needs to learn you can't make those decisions. Let's move on to the game that you want to talk about with the two rookie quarterbacks. You go ahead and talk about your guy, and then I'll go ahead and talk about my guy. Okay, here's my analogy for both of these players. When you're at the restaurant... All right, there's you get like a, you go to the cheesecake factory. It's a big menu, and you know you get there and like you have kids with you. All right, well you don't let your kids have the big menu because kids can't make up their mind. They 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 want everything. They don't they don't know what they want. You just get the kids the freaking kids menu with chicken fingers, macaroni and cheese, the personal pizza, and the cheeseburger on it. They got four options. It's easy to pick from. It's vanilla, and they don't you can't screw that up. The Patriots are giving Mac Jones the kids' menu right now. They're basically saying, hey, here's what you do well, all right? We're going to stick with these things. We're going to stick with them, and you're going to make these three to four things work really good, and it's going to be effective for us, and we're going to win games. The Jets are giving Zach Wilson the full menu, and he's like, holy shit. I can get spaghetti, and I can get the cheeseburger with bacon on it, I think I want the pot roast. Like, he doesn't know what he wants, and he's making bad decisions because there's too many decisions to make. They need to simplify things for him. Everything's too complicated. They're trying to do too much with him. Just just dumb it down. Dumb it down. Give him the chicken fingers. He doesn't <laughs> need to eat the spaghetti with the roll and teeny yet. Give him, the, give him the personal pizza, something basic, and he can have, like, a slice of cheesecake at the end, you know? He might if he gets the touchdown, that's his cheesecake. Like, just just dumb it down for him. There's too much. They were running stuff yesterday, and it's like you're playing against the Patriots. You really think the Patriots are? If you try to run something exotic against New England, they're gonna be like, yeah, okay, 
you're going to complete that. Yeah, right. You're not getting more than three seconds in the pocket because we're going to send a delayed, a delayed blitz that's going to get you off your spot, and then you're going to overthrow your receiver by 10 yards, and it's going to be an interception because we have a safety waiting for you. I do want to give him credit because he was playing against the Patriots, but his four interceptions, one of them was maybe not bad. Which one? The one he threw to Corey Davis. Oh, they got... Okay, that wait went through his hands. That went through his hands. So, so the first interception was really bad. Yes. So all, the three other ones were terrible. The one deep down the field that it looked like he I, overthrew his receiver by like nine it yards. Looked, who was it that caught it? Was it the, uh, the, the, for the Patriots? Yeah, caught it. Devin McCourty caught. Yeah, it, it looked like Devin McCourty was returning a punt. It, it, it was pretty just, much was. Yeah, it was just terribly bad. But the one that I will give him wasn't his fault. Was. Why are they paying Corey Davis all of the money that they gave him, and he's letting a ball go through his hands? It was, wasn't a good throw, though. Was the ball high? I it was, was just it was there. high. The it ball was high. was high. It still should have been caught. But give me... who? Who's, who uh, what other receivers are making that much money? A few guys, you know. I bet all of the guys that are making that much money... I mean, Julio Jones makes that catch, yeah. you know. A.J. Brown makes that catch. O- Odell Beckham Jr. makes that catch, you know. A lot of guys make that catch, but... It was still a high ball. It's, it's got to be caught, but at the same time, it's a high ball. And he held the ball too long yesterday. You can't, against New England when you play them, and I know Belichick does this against rookies, so I know people are going to be like, well, Belichick's good against rookies. Yeah, but uh, anytime you play New England, you have to just take what they give you. Don't try to beat them. You have to take what they give you because they're going to give you the five-yard play. They don't care about that. They're not giving you the bomb over the top. It's never been a thing with them. They will not let you beat them deep. And that's what Zach Wilson was trying to do. You can't do it. They're n- you're not going to get five seconds in the pocket. Because they're gonna- they did it all day yesterday. They put f- seven guys on the line of scrimmage. They dropped four of them. And then Zach Wilson would drop back, five-step drop, and then he would go to step up. And then two more guys would come in and blitz him at it's the last second. It's just delayed second. blitz killed yeah, him. They delayed blitzed him all day. He never read it. You have to pick that up. You have to understand that. And then, like Mac Jones, I, I'll give the Jets credit. I thought their run defense was really good yesterday. I, they they had a really good run defense. Except and, for the time that they couldn't stop Damian Harris. Right. With but eight guys touching him. But I, I thought they were really frisky. And, like, they're going to win a couple games this year. Because their defense is, it's not good. But it's it's got some veteran presence on it that... They're physical, and I thought they played really tough against New England. Like, New England should have scored a lot more points. They should have scored more than 25, and they just they weren't able to. They, they moved the ball, but they weren't able to really take any shots because the defensive line was, was there. Like, they were trying to get home on Mac, who, again, didn't turn the ball over, clean. I think he had a 77% completion percentage. Like, he's got a 96 passer rating through his first two games. And I know it's the Jets and the Dolphins, but... It's 96 passer rating. It's, you know, just don't make mistakes. That's what they're asking him to do right now, and I, I like that. It's going to help him in the long run. We, are, we aren't seeing definitive greatness out of Mac Jones right away, which is perfect because nobody was expecting that. He made a throw on the sidelines yesterday to Jacoby Myers where he just dropped it over the top, and I was like, Jesus, that was a sweet throw. He, every, like, 10 to 12 plays, they kind of let him do something fun, and... 70% of the time it's working right now. They if they open the book up, which I think they're going to, like week 10, I think they're going to the offense is going to be wide open at that point. It's going to be a lot more play action pass. You're going to see the tight ends involved more in some exotic stuff. 
They're going to be stretching the field a little bit more. Like, if you look at their receivers, like Nelson Aguilar is a good downfield receiver. They're going to get Nikhil Harry back, who's pretty good in, as a contested catch. I know he's a bust right now, but when he's had the ball thrown up to him, he can make some tough catches. Like, they're going to get the ball downfield as the season progresses. They're just vanilla right now. They just want to get him into the feel of the season and, you know, get through these first few weeks. We are seeing a very slow upbringing of Mac Jones in the NFL. He had 22 completions on 30 attempts, 186 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. I'll take that all day over what Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are doing. Trevor Lawrence is throwing touchdowns every single game, but he's got five interceptions in his first two games. I, and I'll say, Zach Wilson had two throws yesterday. I was like, yeah, that's why he went number two. He he made one to Corey Davis on the sideline and then one to Elijah Mitchell on the sideline. Where it was like, Elijah Moore. Or Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Moore, Jesus. I'm, yeah, I was like, wow. All right, that was the number two pick in the draft. Like, But again, that's a home run play, and you're just not going to complete those all the time. This is the NFL. It's not BYU. You, you're not going to get those. He's going to have to learn. You got to know when you're beat, and you just need to take that little four-yard check down and get the six yards out of it and move to, move to fight another day. You're not going to win trying to hit the home run. It's just not going to happen. Let's move into the most exciting segment of every single week. The Flaming Five wins of the week with me and Garrett. We have updated score so far. We, we have four. You're, so you're going to come out of this week up one. Yes. Regardless no, of what happens regardless tonight. Regardless of what happens tonight, I'm coming out of the week up one. It's either going to be 6-5 if the Packers lose or 7-6 when the Packers win because we both had them. Uh, recap of last week, I had Patriots beating the Jets, Bears beating Bengals, Browns over Texans, Bucks over Falcons, and Packers over Lions. Garrett had Patriots over Jets, Browns over Texans, Packers over Lions, Seahawks over Titans, and Saints over Panthers. I don't know why I picked the Saints. That was such a trap game. I think I really overhyped. You know what's funny? I don't ever overhype teams, and I don't think I overhyped the Saints week one because I kind of slammed them. I'm like, ah, oh, you didn't really play that good, and the Packers played really bad. And then I had the balls to pick them against the Panthers. Like, what is wrong with me? What was I thinking? Can you tell me what I was thinking there? Because I'm not sure. I ask what's wrong with you every week, so I don't know. I hate you. <laughs> so this week, I'll start us off with my predictions. I have my first game being Ravens beating the Lions by a score of 24 to 17. Oh, you're going to take the Ravens after coming off the win of their season. You're going to, as if they're not going to overlook the Lions. Like, <laughs> we just beat the Chiefs. We can beat the Lions. No problem. It's the Lions. Okay. I'm not worried. All right. I will take the Ravens beating the Lions. Your first game. I have his games this week, by the way. We did it before the episode just to save a little bit of time. Garrett's first game, he has the Bills beating the Washington football team 34-21. to My second game, I have the Cardinals beating the Jaguars 35-21. to I also have that game 38-27, just to save us on that one, yep. too. We both have the Broncos beating the Jets. I have them Broncos winning 28-17. Garrett has the Broncos winning 24-13. to uh, I have the Seahawks beating the Vikings. 24 to 17. Garrett has the Raiders beating the Dolphins 34 to 17. And then to finish it off, I have the Panthers beating the Texans by a score of 28 to 24. And Garrett Ooh, has That's a that's a close one. Garrett has the game that I refuse to choose. Wait wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you give that one, you're picking a Thursday night game? Yes. Ooh. That's a Texans Panthers thir- like 
two teams we're not really sure about, and you're going to pick a Thursday. Ah, that's ballsy. Yep. You you got on me for having this last game, but that might be the ballsy pick of the week. That's, that's all right. Oh, I don't like that at <laughs> all. all right. I don't like that game at all. I, I looked at that one. I think that's the first game that popped up on the list because it's a Thursday night game, and I looked at it and I was like, yeah, I'm staying away from that one. Even if I was getting the points, I'd stay away from it. See, one. your next one is the game that I refuse to go at. You have the Cowboys beating the Eagles 32-21. to 21. Eagles looked bad yesterday. I didn't want to touch this game. They looked bad. And you know what? Like, I do believe in the Cowboys, and I'm, I got to have the courage of my conviction and pick them. Like, that's a game they should win, and they have to win. And they should win it. They're, they're more talented than the Eagles. Eagles kind of stink. Like, what was that yesterday? What, they score seven points? They looked bad yesterday. And not that the Niners look great because they scored 11, but, like, what was that? They laid a complete egg on they, a Niners team. They scored team. 11 points. They scored 11. So what did the, the Niners score? 17. Okay, seven. Oh, I was almost close. Seven to 11. I knew there was a seven in there somewhere. But, like, the the Lions ran all over the 49ers week one. And what do the, what do the Eagles do? They come out, can't do anything. Can't move the ball, nothing. That was really embarrassing on their part. So I just think a Monday night game, interdivision game, I just want nothing to do with it. You, you we both have a primetime game, so I mean we'll, we'll yeah, see how I'll this goes. Yeah, I'll take the Sunday game over the or the Monday game over the third. That thir- Thursday games are a shit show. I was really hoping this week neither one of us would have the Monday night game, so we could know def- definitely like what the score is by next week's podcast. But again, we're gonna have to wait until the week after to to know that the score is one hundred percent. Real quick. I need to do this because this has been a player I've I haven't overly defended this guy, but I've been in on him. I am officially out on the Tua Tagovailoa train. It's not a matter of talent for me. It's what do they always say? The best ability is reliability. It's just not going to happen. He's he's going to be a fragile player and I can't I can no longer defend somebody that can't stay on the field. Like he got hit yesterday and immediately went down, you know he has the hip the hip issues, the ankle issues. Like I'm out now. Some rib issues. Yeah, I I'm just out. He seems like he's going to be a fragile player. I can't hitch my wagon to that. Um, just no, it's probably just not going to happen. It for went him. from six games to two games. I, I told you it was fast. within the next six games yeah. was when I was going to be able to tell you if if I was right or wrong, and I was wrong on him. You know I I just thought he was going to be a little bit better. I didn't anticipate that he would be frail. And he just seems like he's frail in the league. And, you know, I still think he has a lot of talent. He made some throws when he... That throw he made to Devontae Parker, I think it was like the first or the second play of the game, was a sweet throw. It was off a little read option play, and he just threw a bullet right to Parker, and it was like a 12-yard gain. I'm like, all right, that's the guy, like, I've been looking to see. He had a couple throws week one to Waddle, where I was like, wow, that's really impressive. I think he has the talent, but I just... I don't think he's ever going to be able to be healthy enough to last in the league. It just seems like he's willing to take shots, and... He can't stand up and take shots. Yeah, I think I think that's it for us this week. I don't think we have anything more. Am I wrong? You got anything for us or what's going on? I think we're good. I think that's it. We will see you guys next week for another episode. Again, we love our rookie report. We love the game recap. Maybe some injury reports. Hopefully not. We don't want to see players get injured. And then our Flavin' 5 Fix of the Week, guys. We'll see you next week.